You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. You know, one of the things I, I wanted to say was like, it was really weird this whole week having to write things and and talk about last. Well, there went Craig last week's episode of uh, Wandavision. I had uh, to keep writing and what? saying the words "the white vision," and it just kept making me feel racist. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. This week, we're going to be, I guess, venturing away a little bit from the paper comics, and we're going to talk solely about the series finale of WandaVision. Uh, Chris, just, you know, as a brief, how you feel about the, the series in general? I enjoyed it. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> There's your brief. <laughs> There's your brief. What's the weather like outside, Wally? It's rain. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? Like, I guess just, just to add a little more. So I enjoyed it. Um, I like the fact that it created discussion. Um, that's always fun. You know, it's neat to go back to television. Like when we were growing up, you know, every week you'd wait for the next episode. So uh, it, the, the, the nostalgia inside the show also hit me in the real life. So it was, it was a fun adventure. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm sad, you know, because it's like this Friday. Oh, there's no WandaVision. <laughs> there's the making of WandaVision you can watch. <laughs> oh, I probably will <laughs> fill that, fill that void in my life. <laughs> so, yeah, we are going to do a, uh, deeper dive or at least what we saw of WandaVision series finale episode nine. Excuse me. Um, but before that, as always, we're going to get into that spinner rack because there's new comic books to talk about. Yep. So this Tuesday from DC comics, they will be putting out their new crop of comics. Um, so if you're interested, as you head to your LCS on Tuesday, you can check out American vampire, 1976 issue six, which has a great team of Scott Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque. Okay. Um, a brand new Batman series will be launching. So we have Batman urban legends. Number one. Now I'm very curious because I'm not too sure what this series is going to be about. Uh, let's see here. The tagline is Batman may be the biggest name in Gotham city, but there are lots of other heroes and villains who will get a turn to shine in Batman urban legends, a brand new monthly series tying into the biggest events in Gotham city. The series begins with these can't miss tales. So we get chip Zardaski coming in to, uh, uh, with artist Eddie Barros for a six-part story about the Red Hood. So there's some feature there. So uh, Matthew Rosen. Oh, go ahead. So uh, Chip Chip Sardaski, has he done Batman before? Like maybe like a one or two issue thing. Uh, he just, if I remember correctly, uh, nope, he did not do. Uh, yeah, no, I think he did like maybe like one of those Batman black and whites or something like that. Maybe a backup story. But he's mostly, honestly, he's mostly been Marvel. So this is kind of like, like I know a lot of fans panicked because he's going to do this. Uh, he also has his own JLA digital first series coming out. So everybody was like, are you done with Marvel? And he's like, no, I'm just writing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to bring up is that I know that you were a very big fan of his Daredevil run. So how do you feel that he will handle uh, the Batman in comparison to the Daredevil? 
So, well, so this is going to be interesting because he's not really like here. He'll be writing Red Hood. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if I could say I've seen his Batman yet just because, you know, you write one, you know, that, that doesn't mean much. Um, I think he's a talented enough writer and he's an artist as well. So for me, it would be interesting to see, like, how does he deliver his scripts? Like, does he maybe rough draw? And like sends that over to the artist and be like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. Feel free to change it up. But here's kind of the gist of things, you know, does he use the DC method? Does he use the Marvel method? Does he write out full scripts? How does he do it? You know, um, he is Canadian, so maybe he has powers. Um, so there's a lot to it, but I think like, I'm, I'm excited to see him tackle more characters, uh, because, you know, there's two writers that I go just absolutely gaga for Chip Zardesky and Tom Taylor, just because those two guys really get to the essence of a character. So if he were to take over Batman full time, I'd be interested. Yeah, very. So let's see. Yeah. So he's going to get uh, him and Eddie Barros are going to do a six part Red Hooder. So Red Hood fans pay attention to that. Um, let's see. The second story will be by Matthew Rosenberg. Uh, so that is going to be uh, some grifter action. So it looks like him and Ryan Benjamin are going to tackle the adventures of Cole Cash. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's just uh, oh, my gosh. What was the uh, what was that team they were on from? Uh, oh, um, Wildcats. The Wildcats. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, they're they're really getting integrated back in again. Uh, let's see. There's going to be uh, another one. So Stephanie Phillips and Laura Braga are going to team up for a Harley Quinn series art. A Harley Quinn quote unquote zero issue before her new Harley series starts over. So that could be something to check out there for the Harley fans. Um, and then our fourth uh, story in there will be by Brandon Thomas. Uh, and he will be creating a three part saga with Black Lightning, Katana, and Metamorpho. So will this be stuff that potentially leads to the uh, future state? outsiders backup tales or maybe this will be the stories that help them prevent that disastrous future so uh, a lot of great stuff so if you were definitely a fan of future state pick this up um it is funny though that they market it as batman and they have batman on the cover and the reality is he's probably not going to be in this but hey it sells (laughs) yeah so definitely check that out um we also have, and this one's going to be interesting, uh, Green Lantern Season 2, Issue 12 is finally here. Uh, so this is it, the big finale, Grant Morrison's last DC comic, uh, the end of the Sharp Morrison era. Um, I got to say, I, I feel bad. I So I got to advance read this for my review. I mean, it was okay, but I just I don't feel like it lived up to its own hype. So this um, is I've, Season this is season two. Does that mean there was 24 issues altogether? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he did, uh, they did the green lantern, which gave us 12 issues. Then it broke and it did a green lantern, black stars, three issue series. And then it jumped into the green lantern season two for another 12. So 25 grant 24 or sorry, uh, 27 for grant 24 for Liam. Hmm. Um, I imagine like when this gets collected as an omnibus, it'll be awesome uh, to sit down and read it. Uh, I, I, I really wish like my only nitpick with these two gentlemen's run is I wish they would have made it a little bit more uh, 
cohesive per issue, not so cohesive as a series because we're not waiting week to week. We're waiting month to month. So a lot happens. So sometimes you drop some stuff. So I'm hoping once I get my physical copy to kind of sit down and read all 27 issues and see if my mind, if my third eye opens and I'm awakened to the, uh, <laughs> the <laughs> mysteries of the universe, or am I going to feel the same way where I was like, wow, that just didn't live up to the height. <laughs> All right, let's see. Moving along, uh, Joker number one will be out. So James Tinian the fourth and Sam Johns team up. Um, this is going to be a big book to watch because the Joker is going to be taking his uh, his adventures, I believe, worldwide. And if I remember correctly, so he basically in Infinite Frontier spoilers he killed Bane. Who? That's pretty freaking huge. Uh, but if we look at this cover, you can see Bane is in the background. So did he kill Bane and leave behind, or did he kill Bane and leave the body, or is it a fake body? Uh, James Gordon is done with it. He's just, you know what? He's getting close to retirement, and this is the manhunt. This is it. So if you want a good James Gordon v. Joker story, uh, I would say definitely pick this up. Um because something that I always notice, like a lot of people forget with Batman, the killing joke, like that hurts Jim Gordon pretty well as well. You know, mm, so oh, that yeah. could be interesting. Um, so, yeah, so definitely check that one out. Uh, Punchline is in it as well. So if you want to get more about her, uh, definitely check that out. Rorschach number six will be out. Uh, again, this was another one of my advanced reviews I got to do. Uh, it was really interesting. It's definitely, I would call it a quote-unquote quiet issue, but our unnamed detective gets to, well, uh, yeah, I'll go there. I'll spoil. So, uh, our unnamed detective, he gets to read letters uh, from our quote-unquote Steve Ditko and our brand new character of Laura. And you get to kind of see how they met, why they met, and what drives them. So, you know, like I said, a quiet issue, but still still interesting enough. Uh, I'm trying to comb through it to uh, figure out what's the hidden clues. Uh, I'm enjoying this series, but again, this is going to be another one where you've really got to keep this on the top of your mind. Um, I feel bad for the, 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 the fans who are going to wait because they're not going to get to piece the mystery together. But at the same time, I'm also jealous of those fans because they're going to get to read it all together. So uh, pick your poison. Uh, let's see. Superman issue 29 will be out. This starts the Philip. Actually, I think it continues the Philip Kennedy Johnson, Sean Lewis era. So this is a Superman post infinite crisis. Um, so there's definitely a lot of looming about what's going to happen with Superboy. He's either going to be a great thing or a great evil. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays there. Uh, Sweet Tooth of the Return issue 5 will be out. Wonder Woman issue 770 will be out. And as we can see there uh, in the regular cover, she is sporting her new costume, a very Viking-esque looking uh, Wonder Woman. Um, so that's kind of pretty cool there. Uh, the, the cape, the, the fluffy shoulders part, won't be part of her costume, but the definitely the 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 darker tones uh, were present in Infinite Frontier Zero. Uh, so it is funny because they have of course got their Infinite Frontier wraparound covers, and they try to put her in the more classic traditional Wonder Woman costume, but we haven't seen that yet. So that'll be so, interesting to see if it changes or not. So the wraparound cover is that going to be with other Wonder Woman titles, or is that going to be with just uh, other titles throughout uh, that that week? 
Um, so this one right here, the, the, this title. So what they did was they kind of did these, like, I, I want to call them like infinite frontier spoiler covers. Mm-hmm. So like they did like Batman and the bat family, Superman and the super family, and then wonder woman and the wonder family. Uh, so that way they could kind of show you like, okay, like they're really embracing everybody. Cause as we look at this cover front and center, we see, well, and I, I have to be honest with you, I'm assuming that's Diana Prince, wonder woman. Um, and then to her left, we have Nubia. To her right, we have Yana or Yara. I forget, and I feel bad. I should know better. Um, and then on the second level, we get Donna. Uh, we get, oh gosh, Cassie. Uh, and then I believe Hippolyta. And then Artemis. So they're really embracing everybody who's been Wonder Woman. Uh, a lot of the family is going to be brought back into it again. So, you know, that's all it is. It's just a showcasing of... Here's all the characters that could potentially in this book. Uh, will they spin out into their own series? I wish, but I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, because as you can see, we're already done with the single issues. Uh, now I'm moving on to the collected editions. So if you enjoyed uh, Batgirl, uh, her run, her collected edition will feature the Joker War, and that will get a hardcover edition. So if you've been collecting this, they've mostly been released in trade. So this will definitely be an interesting one to pick up. Uh, Black Canary Bird of Prey will be out. So if you ever wanted to read the early adventures of Dinah Laurel Lance, as she was once herself and then separated and turned into herself and her mother and (laughs) all the complicated history of Black Canary, uh, definitely check this one out. She's an amazing character. Uh, I can definitely say the post-crisis did a lot for her. Really stepped her up because she essentially took the part of Wonder Woman in, in a lot of adventures, so that gave her a huge spotlight. Uh, Earth One will be getting a box set now. This is an interesting phrase because Earth One used to mean something, now it'll be something else. But these are kind of the um, I like to call these the bookstore origin stories. Uh, so we have a Earth One Superman. Um, let's see how many trades you're getting in this one. Cause earth one Superman, we got three volumes by JMS, uh, was James Michael Straczynski, if I remember correctly. Um, oh, so yeah, you're only getting volume one. So you get volume one of Superman, wonder woman and Batman. Uh, so Superman was a brand new origin by J Michael Straczynski with artist Shane Davis. Uh, Batman earth one was by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. And Wonder Woman Earth One was by Grant Morrison and Yannick Paquette. Uh, they're, they're really interesting. Like, basically take these classic stories and set them in today's world. Uh, I know I definitely read Superman and Batman. I enjoyed them. So I heard good stuff about Wonder Woman. So it could be worth checking out. Yeah, I read all three of those. Oh, nice. Yeah. I remember enjoying them. And the, the Superman one uh, definitely up, updates the character. Like, it gave you... I, I At least that's how I felt. I felt like... It was kind of they kind of doing the same thing that they did with Ultimate Spider-Man when they when that first came out. Uh, yeah. Didn't really change the origin all that much, but definitely gave it more of a today feel for a young Clark Kent. Yeah, and that's actually a great analogy to it. I like that because you're right. That is that is the ultimate Superman. You know, like you know the ultimate Spider-Man version. I think that's the best way to look at it. Um, yeah, I enjoyed those series. I think they were great. Uh, let's see. We have the final night is getting reprinted. Uh, so this was a huge story for me. This is the death of Hal Jordan, AKA parallax at the time. Uh, so this was a fun little series. Uh, you'll get the four part mini series along with the parallax Emerald Knight one shot. So, so why don't you go over uh, what it, what it was final night was, what was that event? So 
basically what happens here is um, Earth's sun is being attacked by a sun eater. So it is coming and eating the sun. So we are no longer getting uh, warmth and light. And then on top of that, Earth is now freezing. Um, so, of course, the heroes are trying to figure out what can we do? How do we stop this cold? Um, what, 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 what can be done? So by happenstance, they do find out that Green Lantern can survive in the sun because he, he accidentally falls in. This is a young Kyle Rayner. Of course, he's freaked out and he's like, I don't know if I can do that again. So the heroes are trying to figure out, well, we've built a device that essentially could kill the sun eater and we just need to put it into the sun and see what happens. Kyle, after having gone through that experience, uh, races over to, well, he actually goes and finds Hal Jordan out in space. Uh, and Hal Jordan is finally getting his revenge against the uh, cyborg Superman who destroyed Coast City, which led to the chain of events that turned Hal into Parallax. Uh, so Kyle just basically pleads with Hal, and he's like, we need you to save the world. Uh, then there is a special one-shot, Emerald Knight, where, where Hal decides, like, what should I do? And he basically winds up visiting all of his friends. Uh, this is the story that cures John Stewart. Uh, basically John Stewart was paralyzed. So his, his body was healed. Um, and then Hal says his goodbyes to Carol, to Tom and even guy Gardner. Uh, so then, you know, Hal finally comes back. He says, Hey, I'll do it. I'll save the planet. I'll absorb the sun eater, recharge the sun and warm up the earth. I have the power. I can do it. Of course, Batman, you know, I don't trust you. You're a parallax. <laughs> uh, so, you know, Hal Jordan does it. He saves the day. Uh, but what was very interesting about this story is the fallout. Um, they actually do include the funeral issue of Hal Jordan, Green Lantern 81. So that's really cool. Uh, <clears throat> but the bonus here is, or not the bonus, but the, the, the chain of events that happen after this is Superman is obviously solar charged. So that's how he gets his powers. So he starts losing his powers. That's why he wasn't able to jump into the sun because he's no longer the super strong Kryptonian that he was. Um, so this led to the chain of events that leads to electric Superman, the blue and white costume. <laughs> so yeah, a fun story. It's, you know, I'm not doing it justice, but I really love it. And enjoy it. So and I think then, you'll have a hit with that. When, when after, so when Hal uses the, the, his powers to reignite the sun, right? Like that's when we get circle of fire later on with Kyle, where he takes power from the sun, the, the, green uh, I don't know. I know it wasn't called Circle of Fire. I know the power of Ion, you know, so that's where that happened. So, yeah, eventually, a couple years later, we see a green spot on the sun. And then, of course, this green spot calls out to two people, Kyle and Nero, mm -hmm. who is a dangerous psychopath with a, sin with a yellow ring. They weren't Sinestro rings yet. Uh, and so the two guys travel to the sun. They fight each other in their underwear. And Kyle steps out with the power of Green Lantern parallax and oblivion to become ion <laughs> mm, all right there we go yep i almost forgot about that underwear fight now now <laughs> now my mind is is hurting <laughs> all right let's see uh red hood outlaw volume four will be collected so if you were enjoying the uh, outlaw era definitely pick this one up uh superman volume three the truth revealed so this is part of the bendis era and this will collect the uh, storyline where superman tells the world he's clark kent Again, <laughs> uh, Superman, the last son deluxe edition will be out. Uh, this is the team up of Jeff Johns and Richard Donner, who both have a history together and a very strong history with Superman. So this introduces us to the son of 
uh, General Zod, a.k.a. Christopher Kent. Uh, so maybe by them doing a deluxe edition, maybe we'll see some future with Chris Kent. Who knows? Uh, and then Wonder Woman Earth One Volume 3 will be out. So Grant Morrison and Yannick Paquette team up for a third run on the Earth One Adventures. So that'll be your Tuesday from DC Comics at your local comic shop. Uh, let's go ahead and switch gears. So your traditional comic book day is Wednesdays. So if you go to your local comic shop on Wednesday, you'll be able to pick up all the Marvel and other publishers' comics. Uh, so I'm just going to talk Marvel real quick. So Amazing Spider-Man issue 55 is getting a third printing. Uh, this is going to be a very famous cover because originally it was printed, if I think I remember correctly, I think it was uh, w- white with red, uh, very much a webbed profile outline of Spider-Man's bust. Uh, and then they've reprinted it since a black on white, a white on black, a blue on black is the current one. Uh, so this is going to be the big cash cow. So if you chose to collect this cover in all its many forms, I am so sorry. (laughs) Uh, Advance orders, man. Advance orders. All right. But the newest issue of Amazing Spider-Man issue 61 will be out. This continues the Nick Spencer era. Uh, In this one, we get a brand new costume. That's right. Uh, It's not a series until the writer changes things. So we have a new costume, a new job. A new spider era begins here. What are we doing Um, there? We got like half silver costume. So it's going to like the, the, the symbolism, you know, behind the change, but yeah, it's going to be like this blue and white, uh, with yellow Tron esque lines on it. Costume. Oh, I, it kind of reminds me of invincible. So I don't know if like, is there timing to that? I don't know. Or actually better yet, the gravity character. I don't know if you remember him, a short lived teenager Spider-Man wannabe. Uh, so yeah. But, yeah, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, But let's see. We also have some variant covers. So if you want a classic Spider-Man, Mike Ochoa will be giving you that. And if you want a timeless Spider-Man, Julian Totino Tedesco um, will be providing another variant cover as well. Both of those are very beautiful, classic Spider-Man comics. Uh, here's a blast from the past that everybody's been waiting about and forgot about and reminded of. Uh, Children of the Atom number one is finally here. Uh, this was planned on being launched a while ago, but COVID-19 basically kind of monked things up. So we finally get to meet the X-Men sidekicks. So we have a Nightcrawler wannabe, a Cyclops wannabe, a Gambit angel and marvel girl wannabe uh these are the next generation of heroes will they last will they make it who knows wait will they be uh, better than jubilee that's the standard are these (laughs) kids that went to the to the academy or something like why do they all have powers that are similar to those of these other characters you know I, i i don't know i i there's they've really been very mum about this because like here's the sad part whoever buys is thinking they're going to get their first appearance that's not the case (laughs) Uh, they had like a cameo appearance in some other book Um, so it's going to be one of those types of things but i don't know i don't know if these are just people that had powers similar and their fans you know like is it is it cosplay warship is it you know they got are they truly mutants are they modified i mean there's so much mystery behind it so i i couldn't even begin to tell you outside of my speculation uh if i do pull up the solicit 
see if that gives us any uh, insights. So we have, uh, when did the X-Men get sidekicks? Now, don't miss the debut of the greatest teenage superhero team of all time. They've learned from the best. Now they're ready to put it to the test. But who the heck are these kids and where do they come from? Guest starring the X-Men. So, yeah, I I don't know. The, the torches get passed. Uh, Marvel understood legacy. Uh, sadly, DC is luckily they're starting to remember it, but sadly they forgot about it. So, <laughs> um, I think that's what it is. So like, you know, now I get a, a, a young teenage female Cyclops. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> so yeah, that's what you, you've got there. <laughs> I do find it interesting though, because I think you have a, I would, I don't know if he's going to call himself Marvel boy or not, but it looks like it's a, a young boy who takes on the mantle of, of Marvel girl. So I'll be curious, like, will there be friction? Uh, will they be attracted to each other? Or will it be everybody's going to assume that they should be attracted to each other when they're like, no. <laughs> so that could make for an interesting uh, little love triangle. Who knows? Uh, but let's see. Moving along, we've got Daredevil issue 28. Uh, this continues the new adventures of Elektra as Daredevil. Uh, I love the regular cover because exactly these four characters, Kingpin, Typhoid Mary, Elektra, and Daredevil, that's exactly what's going on. Like it, this is their book. So again, Chip Zardaski is doing fantastic, uh, balancing that crew. Daredevil's nerdy 31 shot will be out. Uh, Deadpool is now 30 years old, so it's time to celebrate. Uh, they even got Rob Liefeld to come and do a cover. Um, it almost looks like he's got feet. So that's fantastic. <laughs> the uh let's see here yeah the eternals issue three will be out as well so if you want to learn about this new core group of characters definitely check it out um we have the immortal hulk issue 44 uh very interesting because gyrick is on the cover so he will be an interesting character who's he, uh, he's what always is he reading uh, the astonishing ufos comic ufos uh, yep what the the yeah, so, evil Fantastic Four? Why would we? Why are they involved in the inter, uh, the Immortal Hulk? I don't know, but the fact is, it looks like he's like on a spaceship. So who knows? Maybe Gyrick finally decided to travel through the multiverse. Maybe that's how he gets his haircuts. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, so it's it's definitely something to check out. Um, but there's some cool stuff here. We have a. Uh, uh, some variant covers. So the cover we were talking about was the regular cover by Alex Ross with Gyrick reading the comic book. Uh, there is a cover B, which is a Joan, uh, Joe Bennett homage cover. So this is definitely a classic throwback to, I think, a Kirby-esque cover, this Monster Unleashed. And then, of course, if you want your old-school Silver Age, Marvel Age Hulk, uh, Michael Cho will be doing another one. Uh, and these Michael Cho covers are also to represent the new additions of the Marvel masterworks in their brand new, uh, uh, cover style King and black will be getting a uh, variant cover. So you can try to look at stores to see if you can find that exclusive comic and Joe Kelly, Chris Bacalo and Dale Eaglesham are back for nonstop Spider-Man. What is that? Uh, this, I mean, that's, that's a lot of people so, to be working on one, on one book. Yeah, so I think if I remember correctly, I think they're going to try to make this a weekly series. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but the solicit says, get ready for the most action-packed, pulse-pounding, adrenaline-pumping comic of all time. As the name implies, once you read page one, panel one, Spider-Man does not stop. A mystery at Empire State University thrusts Spider-Man into adventure that starts in uptown Manhattan and will take him around the world, pitting him against Marvel Universe villains old and new, and give you a Spider-Man adventure 
and Spider-Man, the likes of which you've never seen. So this book is not for the faint of heart. So check with your doctor before reading. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. This is the stuff that kind of upsets me sometimes because how does this book happen when it comes to the, the amazing Spider-Man series, you know, um, like that's one thing I've always respected a lot that Marvel has done is even though Spider-Man had multiple titles, they managed to keep it in a tight cotton, I guess not a tight continuity, but a loose continuity. So it all mattered this, you know, the fact that he's getting a new costume, well, does that affect nonstop Spider-Man? When does that happen? So, yeah. So, Hey, if you want another Spider-Man book, there's your jam, you know? So this is, this is probably just going to be like artists go nuts. Like, who do you want to draw? Who do you want to have them fight? I mean, there seems to be a lot of covers there. Oh yeah. Well, that's, that's definitely Marvel for you. (laughs) They will uh, go, go nuts and then print all kinds of stuff. So yeah. Um, So as Mitch said, there's a lot of cover. So check out your comic shop and see what's going to be available to you. Uh, Strange Academy issue nine will be out, which also features a Michael Cho uh, classic Dr. Strange cover. So if you want to check that one out, Um, let's see. Symbiote Spider-Man King in black. Oops. I'm sorry. Uh, Taskmaster. Here we go. Sorry, lo- wrong list. Taskmaster issue four will be out, which I believe uh, closes up his mini series. Because if I remember correctly, I think it was a four-parter. Uh, Thor and Loki Double Trouble number one will be out. So this looks like it's just a fun free-for-all uh, celebrating the new uh, comical personalities of Thor and Loki from the MCU and trying to bring that into the comic book world. So uh, if you want to read some fun adventures there, check it out. Uh, let's see. We have Venom issue 25. Nope. I'm sorry. That's not there. Um, Wolverine black and white and blood number four will be out. Uh, again, these are just one shot stories in basic colors. X factor number eight will be out. And then if we move on to the uh, collected editions, we have amazing Spider-Man last remains companion because the last remain story was just so much that it needed even more. <laughs> uh, God, I don't even know what to say about that. So if you collect it, collect it. Uh, Black Panther Epic Collection Volume 3 will be out. So these will take us to, uh, it looks like some late 70s, early 80s adventures of T'Challa. Uh, Captain America by Jack Kirby Omnibus will be out. If I remember correctly, I think this is the second, nope, this is the early uh, adventure. So uh, when Jack Kirby came back, to Captain America in the Silver Age. Uh, so if you're looking for some early Falcon, check it out there as well. Fantastic Four by Dan Slott, number, our Volume 1 hardcover will be out. Golden Age Captain America Omnibus Volume 1 will be getting a new printing. So if you want to go back and read those old 1940s adventures, definitely check it out. Uh, the New Warriors is getting a classic Omnibus edition. So if you want to read the first, you know, hardcore team uh, these were the teenagers with attitude. So you get young, uh, well, Marvel boy, but he's known to us as justice, uh, night thrasher, speedball kid, Nova, even though it was just Nova, uh, Namorita and Firestar. Uh, but I, I may sound like I'm mocking them, but they're actually a fun group of heroes. Uh, this would definitely be like, you know, this was trying to recapture the idea of the new Teen Titans and the uncanny X-Men, you know. So uh, if you like stories like that, definitely check it out. I bought a couple of these in the dollar bin, and I loved it. Just some deep drama. Uh, Spider-Man by Todd McFarlane will get a complete collection in a trade paperback. Uh, then we also have Venom by Donny Cates, Volume 5. 
uh, X-Men by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee, Volume 2. Omnibus will be out, so that should take us to the end of the Claremont era on the X-Men comics. And that is your Marvel dose of comics for this week. There you go. That is a somewhat full spinner rack for this week. <laughs> uh, sounds like some good stuff coming out, but let's go ahead and get into that last episode of WandaVision. That's right. It is the series finale. It is called the series finale. There has been no talks of uh, a season two, so to speak, of WandaVision, as we saw uh, we saw from Kevin Feige himself at a TCA event uh, a few weeks ago. He said there's no uh, plans for a, a WandaVision season two. I think what most people are believing is that, that it's going to be a... Uh, if there is something else after she is involved in the movies, we know that WandaVision is going to be involved in uh, Doctor Strange to the multiverse of madness uh, as you saw in the final in credit scene uh, of the episode she will uh be involved in that if she comes back for another show i'm sure it will just be called wanda or it'll be called scarlet witch or it'll be called whatever um so let's go ahead and get into the episode and uh, i think the big thing that we're that Chris would really like to talk about is the fact that they introduced the Phoenix force into the show, <laughs> into the MCU. <laughs> yeah, I, I did get a giggle out of that. How it, it, it you know, the, the whole idea of the Scarlet witch now is a thing when the truth of the comic is, it was the title she took, you know, like, I mean, had that fateful day when Wanda joined Magneto's brotherhood of evil mutants. If she had worn, a green dress, you know, we'd be talking about the Emerald witch. <laughs> uh, so there is no, there is no significance to it, but I did laugh uh, how this basically really did capitalize on some of the ideas of um, the dark Phoenix saga, you know, like even in episode eight, you know, when, when we see Wanda first interact with the stone and she sees the outline of the uh, Scarlet witch, it was like, Oh, okay, we're going there. But you know, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. So uh it it they definitely they're they're the line of you know the Scarlet Witch is even more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme is a direct call out to Doctor Strange and obviously that means Doctor Strange will have to be involved with whatever happens next with Wanda because he's supposed to be uh the protector of this realm having to do with all things magic. So uh, what what does that look like to you? What does Doctor Strange going up against the Scarlet Witch look like? So I feel like if if I'm gonna reference anything, I feel like that's gonna go towards Avengers disassembled. Mm. Um, just because if we remember, like I think it was in the fourth part of that story when you know Doctor Strange comes into the picture, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're like, well, yeah, like. You know, you knew all these things about Wanda, and he's like, I really haven't met her. It was like, wait, what? You know, because in the classic comics, you know, Doctor Strange delivered her children. And then in the retcon, it was like, no, I, I wasn't there. So it's like, wait, what? You know, so I, I feel like, um, you know, there's, there's going to be some big uh, struggle with it. I, I think at first it'll probably be um, more Steven wanting to shut her down and then eventually she's going to show that no I've been studying and harnessing 
and you know uh, eventually they'll probably even do something like oh well, your power's too much for the multiverse it's causing a black hole kind of thing um in the end i feel dr strange will be able to contain her power but it's definitely going to be a struggle so they'll be on the ropes but in the end you know you, you can't be sorcerer supreme if you're not sorcerer supreme <laughs> yeah yeah um that so uh, wanda is fully embracing the title of the scarlet witch as we now know is a mantle as opposed to just the secret identity that she chose for herself because as we put it out before she had never had a code name up in, in the mcu up to this point uh the other big i mean not the other but another big thing that happened in the episode is is the the vision versus vision uh i thought that that was a, a weird thing to catch in the credits when i was watching was that they credited paul bettany as the vision and vision so as we saw um wanda repeatedly call her vision vision as as it's a name uh i'm guessing the white vision was was referred to as the vision so that battle scene uh this very much a mirror match between the two of them all over westview like just I, I got me really excited. I, I really enjoyed it, but their final battle scene of more of logic and wits, just, I was like, this is perfect. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, throwing in the, the ship of Theseus, um, logic paradox, you know, <laughs> what does that mean? And, and the, the vision having to come with, well, neither ship is the ship and both ships are the ship just totally made it, uh, uh, a great scene for me. Yeah, no, that was, that was probably my favorite part of the show. Like, I mean, yeah, it was cool seeing, you know, the two of them duke it out and slamming into roads. But in the end, when they're in that library and it's like, you know, the, the classic looking vision is like, I'm sure you've heard of the ship. And, and then they talk about that and it was like, all right, that was pretty cool. Like what a great conundrum. Um, <clears throat> what a great, uh, battle for a man of deep thought or a synthesoid of deep thought so i thought that was super cool um taking it a step back though to the two of them actually fighting that reminded me of superman 3 so i always loved that scene when clark kent fights dark superman in the uh garage junkyard there so i always thought that was pretty cool uh, so i felt there was some like kind of i don't know maybe callbacks or you know, at least reminded and made me reminisce of that. So I thought that was pretty fun. And I know that, you know, that I was a big fan of the first run of the runaways or runaways, uh, book. And in that book, they, they introduced a character of Victor La Mancha, which was also a creation, an Android creation of, uh, Ultron that was supposed to infiltrate the Avengers when he got older and then, uh, take them down much like the way that, uh, vision was supposed to in his or original uh storyline in that at one point they have to the the runaways have to take down victor like shut him down and one of the things they do is they there's a logic paradox that they have to use to take him down it's the uh is god powerful enough to make a burrito that can even burn his mouth when he bit it so like <laughs> i was really expecting like 
the vision to just kind of be like, uh, and then kind of like shut down for a second. But just him realizing we're both vision. And what does that mean? If my prime directive is, is to take down the vision, uh, was enough to just to stop him. And then vision to give him restore his memories, unlock them from the rest of his carbon based body. As he, uh, explained was pretty cool. Like, so let me ask you this. Cause I asked this to other people. Did Vision give the Vision memories from Westview also, or is it just unlocking the memories that the Vision had? So in my call, I would, ooh, that is a darn good question. Because I feel initially that he gives them all the memories, Mm -hmm. right? Like Vision should know everything from his Jarvis days to Age of Ultron to WandaVision. But the fact that he, you know, says I am Vision and then flies away, maybe that kind of reset him to, you know, just that moment uh, right at Age of Ultron. Because maybe I'm wrong in this, but and it's been a while since I watched Age of Ultron. But when they built his body, didn't he initially fly away at first? Or didn't he? Because I know he fought them. Didn't he fly away? <sighs> Uh, yes and no. He he wakes up out of that <laughs> chamber, uh, and they all kind of start to attack him after after uh, Thor like hits him with the lightning to bring him alive. Um, then he flies off over to the window um, that we saw all of them hanging out in the beginning of the movie, and he just looks at the sky and he's just kind of like, ah, oh, this is beautiful. And like Thor r- walks up to him and says like you're not going to attack, right? And he's like, no, why would I? Like, it's very much like being born in a very violent way and then having to grow up to toddler at in, you know, the next couple seconds and then grow up even further, you know, the couple seconds after that. Like, that's why he changes, he sees Thor and he's like, okay, I should change into this cape looking thing. Like, he changes his, his form. So, he doesn't fly away, but he does fly. So I almost wonder, like, I don't know, it kind of, it just made my mind go there at first. And maybe I was trying to look for an explanation because to me, I don't know, I guess if, if he does give him the Westview memories then why wouldn't vision go help Wanda and his family, why fly away? Yeah. I, that's what I was thinking too. I don't think he gave him the Westview memories because vision only has memories from Westview. Like any, as we saw earlier in the series, he said, how come I can't remember anything from, you know, before we were in Westview? Like, cause it's, it's literally a creation of, of Wanda's as we came to find out last episode. So if he were to have given the vision, those memories also, yeah, he would have all that love for Wanda and their kids, but he just flew away. Um, what does that mean going forward for, the character of the vision, uh, in the MCU. I don't know. Do you have any speculation where we're going to see him again next? Do you think he's going to show up in the multi, the multiverse of madness? So I don't know if they would want to play that card that quick, mm-hmm. uh, just because I feel like the next thing will be like, okay, let's, let's really grow out Wanda and let's play with this whole, uh, multiverse bit. Um, and then you're supposed to have, what is it? Sam Raimi's the director. So I guess, you know, maybe find out, is he a fan of the vision? <laughs> so that <laughs> might tell us something there, but I, I kind of feel like now I think like whatever the next Avengers movie is, I think that's probably where we'll see the vision pop up next. And I think they'll want to play with that struggle some more because 
that was a big thing. So, you know, as I often reference vision quest, the story where the vision gets dismantled and he loses his memories and becomes the white vision, um, that played out for at least six years, I think. And even in some of the, the stuff Mitch and I are reading behind the scenes, I don't know if you caught one of those, um, but vision keeps having these dreams about a woman and two children. And then Hank Pym was like, Oh, maybe that's Wanda and your kids. And he's like, no, I don't have feelings towards that. Mm. So I kind of feel like that'll be something like, okay, let's play with this. Like, let's really, let's see where it goes. So I don't think he'll pop up in the multiverse of madness just because with him being a logic based machine, you know, that would really freak him out. Um, and then, like I said, I think they want to play with that story. You know, then it's like, okay, well, do we redo the courtship? You know, do they try to introduce Wonder Man and and have their own, you know, Avengers love triangle since there was an X-Men love triangle? You know, like, do they go there? So I, I, I don't see him coming up anytime soon. So I, I just wouldn't know where that storyline is going to go. Let me throw this out there at you. What if uh, we know that, Jonathan Majors, and I believe it's it's known that he's going, or it's confirmed that he's going to be playing Kang the Conqueror, uh, and he shows up in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. What if we see Vision show up there, and he befriends Kang the Conqueror, as we know what Kang the Conqueror does with a Vision body at some point in the timeline? No, that could be cool, and that's actually a pretty smart play. You know that that that, that does link those two characters together. Uh, do we get Jonas? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe yeah, not. No, I, yeah, so I, I like that. I think that could be very worthwhile. You know, and maybe that even has that kind of the hero goes rogue. You know, because it's like, well, we know Kang's the bad guy, but his logic suits. It's just not his actions. So Vision could be like, well, no, the greater good is what's better. And that's where, like, you know, Scott Lang is like, no, Vision, you can't say that. Here's a card magic trick, and, you know, <laughs> saves the day. <laughs> uh, I love the, the scene when, you know, the two of them are fighting, the two androids are fighting, and uh, the white Vision or the Vision goes for the, the move that Thanos pulled on him. And uh, Vision just kind of phases through, like, nope, nope, not going to let that happen. Uh, which kind of makes you think, like, why didn't he do that against Thanos? But I guess Thanos having five of the six gems already was able to keep him from phasing, I assume. Yeah, that's probably the best guess there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Agatha. Agatha was very much able to not just hold her own, but be superior to Wanda in just about every fight they had uh, making Wanda use her powers essentially was the best way to make it uh, anytime that Wanda used her powers offensively or defensively like she, Agatha was able to suck it up like do you think that that's a, a, a spell that's in the dark hold to uh, absorb another witch's powers or is that just like a specialty of Agatha's I you know, considering we didn't see many other witches do that, because if witches could, like, if all of them could absorb their powers, then why wouldn't, like, Agatha's mom be like, oh, when she's eating up the other witches, like, nope, I'll stop you first, you know? So I feel like it's like, because I often think about that. It's like, well, what makes, like, Wonder Woman, Aquaman special? You have all these other Atlanteans. You have all these other Amazonians. 
but those two specifically they have more power than the average person so i kind of feel like yeah that agatha is a you know a queen witch above all other witches so i think that is her specialty yeah i was thinking about that i was like i i I would wish that they would have gotten more into the different type of witches in the world that's uh, i really feel like that would have been a benefit at some point in this series because as we saw with agatha's mother she was wearing a blue crown when she when her crown materialized obviously uh Scarlet Witch is, or I mean, Wanda is the Scarlet Witch, as we've been told, and she has the red crown. Agatha very much had a purple light to her magic. So, what does that mean? Like, is if <laughs> if Wanda is this is the Scarlet Witch and she controls chaos magic? Does does that mean Agatha controls a different type? Of, is she controlled dark magic? Is that what the is that why the dark hold is there? And does uh, Eleanor? Lenorva, what I forgot what Agatha's mom's name was. Uh, does she control a light side magic like kind of thing? Yeah, so we're gonna get the uh, the emotional spectrum of witchery. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's that there is definitely something there though. You know, power signature color is huge. Um, so you're right, you know, because I do remember that I, I was excited about, um, seeing the purple energy. Cause I was like, Oh, maybe that means, cause I was, you know, I'm, I was so super, you know, hoping for wonder man. Uh, but you're right. Agatha very much had a purple signature to her energy. Wanda obviously has the red. Um, Agatha's mom did have a different color as well. So I, I don't know, you know, maybe is it, you know, does it tie into the infinity stones since they also were the other, power source that had energy signatures to them you know are they trying to tie that into it um because who knows you know maybe they could play something like nope the stones originated on earth uh and then eventually the witches or whoever felt that they were too powerful so they exiled them off into earth and that's how they got into space i don't know you know maybe uh maybe a um uh whatchamacallit those giant um all those giants Giant Marvel space gods, but they're not gods. Um, Celestials? Celestials. There we go. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe a celestial exploded on Earth, and that's what gave us magic. You know, I don't. Well, know. like we know that the thing that helped her powers, as we're now being told, help her powers become uh, powerful is the Mind Stone, which is yellow. But if we were, if I remember correctly, the Ether, which was the Reality Stone, was red. And Scarlet Witch is obviously red, so she's manipulating reality. Is, is I mean, is there a good connection there that that she that the Scarlet Witch title comes from the Reality Stone of the Infinity Stones? Oh yeah, no, that's a that's a huge link because yeah, they called her a Nexus, and the Ether is what enabled us to go between realms. So yeah, that that totally so. You know, maybe they're going to look at, uh, you know, maybe there are, I don't want to say totems, but like a, a person who is similar as a totem for, uh, for, a, for a, an, an infinity stone esque power, you know, uh, now something else to keep in mind, it just dawned on me, we do have the eternals coming up. So maybe that could even lead into that mystical, magical lore because, um, with some of those recent issues of Avengers that you and I are reading, the Eternals were there and they definitely felt like they were um, mystical based characters, you know? 
So maybe we'll see something pop up with that explanation. Monica Rambeau, uh, another big part of this series. Uh, we now see her kind of fully uh, embracing her powers, her power set, so to speak. Um, she uses her her vision, so to speak, of the spectrum to to recognize what it is that gives uh, what we now know is Ralph Ralph Boner his powers or his control by Agatha. Uh, she rips that off because it's purple magic. Um, and then when Hayward, being the terrible person that he is, <laughs> starts firing on children, she jumps in between, <laughs> turns yellow, and then uh, stops the kinetic energy of the bullets, so to speak. So are we thinking the different colors that she displays when using her powers mean different things? Well, so I felt like when she saw the purple, she's picking up that energy signature. And mm -hmm. I would say her energy signature was definitely the yellow. Like when she's like when her eye. Oh, but you know what? What color did her eyes turn? Do you blue. remember? I mean, I mean, I know they were blue the blue. first time. Uh, I don't remember if they did that, if they did blue for the for the necklace or when she did the kinetic energy thing. Yeah, but I would definitely say, like, I know yellow is supposed to be, like, her signature color, because I do remember in the comics, when they show her flying, she's usually, you know, that that yellow outline, because um, she's light-based powers. Um, so I would say that her yellow signature is there. But then again, at the same time, you know, her, her ability with absorption, you know, it would make sense that she could change colors, because due to the energy that's around her, you know. And with our week last week's episode of doing a uh quick 101 of the character Monica Rambo what what more do you see of her going forward from this like obviously the mid credit scene is a scroll showing up to say hey Nick Fury is calling you up to the big leagues so let's go <laughs> yeah no that definitely that that felt like it's set up for uh Captain Marvel 2 um it see, is interesting because I'm sorry, I was just going to say, I, I didn't know if it necessarily start, sets it up for Captain Marvel 2 or if it sets it up for Secret Invasion, which we know is a TV series that is going to be uh, starring um, Sam Jackson's Nick Fury and oh, what's the guy that played the bad or the actual good uh, scroll, the one that they, they, oh. they friended in Ben something. I forgot the actor. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, well, you're right, and then it could definitely set up for Secret Invasion, and honestly, it could maybe even set up for Spider-Man Three because that was also one of the last places we saw the scrolls as well. You know, so. Um, so I was also thinking, um, and this is kind of a tangent, but not really. Do in Spider-Man Three because of the events of Spider-Man Two, the in credit scene where you have. Uh, uh, J. Jonah Jameson revealing that Peter Parker and Spider-Man are the same person. Um, do we have the classic scene in Spider-Man 3, classic comic book scene of a shapeshifter taking on the form of Peter Parker and then Peter Parker in the Spider-Man suit, like, or vice versa, and then both being on stage at the same time being like, see, I can't be Spider-Man, I'm here, kind of thing. Because that's a thing that oh, they yeah. do a lot in comic books. 
Yeah, that's that's the whole reason for uh, Martian Manhunter and Supergirl to use their shape shifting abilities to uh, to protect Clark Kent. You know, um, yeah, no, I definitely I, I feel that's a a good you know method to disprove to the population, you know, to the public, be like, hey, uh, how can I be Spider Man when he's standing right next to me? You know, because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, like, I mean, they're definitely very tight lipped on what's happening with Spider Man three. So I mean, I can't say like, oh no, that that would totally explain why. Uh, Andrew Garfield or uh, Toby Maguire are there. We don't know if they're there. Yeah. You know, we, so, yeah, you're right. So uh, definitely I could see, you know, scrolls are shapeshifters. So that would definitely help the, the cause, you know, Nick Fury is highly invested in young Peter Parker. And the last thing you want to do is reveal his secret identity, you know? And, and if anything, if we, if, if they finally do use, you know, the Parker parents origin of being shield agents, you know, maybe, you know, that's why Nick is like, no, we're going to do everything we can to protect this kid and make sure he, he gets to play in our world, but our world doesn't play in his life. Yeah. Uh, Monica, the kids, the boys, uh, essentially the boys and vision, all three of them are creations of, Wanda's and as we saw when she was trying to lift the hex so that the people of Westview can leave because as she was finally being shown that she's torturing them she did not understand that she was doing that she thought that I I guess she just thought that they were all fine and happy and stuff but didn't realize that when she puts them to sleep they all have her dreams and it's torturing them like even at one point uh was it what's her name? Double Deborah Jo Rupp, uh, who who uh, that's the actress's name. I forget what her name in the, in the show was. She's like, if you're not gonna, you know, let us go, just kill us already. Kind of things like, geez, that's that's dark. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the kids and Vision are both just straight up constructs of hers. So as she lifted the hex, like they started to disappear. Agatha points out, hey you can only have one or you can have one or the other. You can't have both kind of thing. So the end of the episode is as the spell is being taken down, they put the kids down to sleep. They, and her and vision go and, you know, have their goodbyes in, in the living room. How did you feel about the end of Billy and Tommy as of right now? So, considering what you know wanda leaves them to be um it was bittersweet you know like i mean i love the moment when she turns back and she's like thank you for letting me be your mom yeah uh, that was like whoo man that was hard on the emotions um but it, it's you know it, it definitely was something um i think it was the best way we could have seen those kids vanish Um, but I also, I also like her visions remarks when he's like, well, you know, I was a man without a body and then I was a, a a thought without memory, you know, who knows what I'll be next. Um, that kind of leads me to like, Hey, maybe, you know, the, cause obviously we know as comic book fans, like we, we have an idea of what those kids are going to potentially become. But even then, I don't think the comics have really ever fully explained, like, you know, are they really genuinely Tommy and Billy or are these just, you know, a wild probability of two kids named Tommy and Billy who are like, Hey, we're, we're hardcore fans. Um, 
I mean, so I could it, definitely it was, see it as as the 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 mutant that has the ability of changing probability and reality around her uh, found two boys that were being born at a certain moment or even impregnated, you know, conceived, uh, manipulating that DNA to the point where she, they're going to come out as her two sons. So essentially meaning two other <laughs> boys, two other twins just blinked out of existence. But uh, after they were born, they were given up for adoption kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, something to that. So um, it, it definitely was intriguing. I, I I felt for it. The scene was heart, heart it was in, it was heart shaking uh, just because it was so sad because you get that fantastic four family pose in, you know, the, the incredible style. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, in the end, it's like, oh man, the only one left standing is going to be Wanda. Um, but then again, you know, when she's in her astral form reading the dark home, you know, we clearly hear, uh, I would say it was probably, uh, Billy, Billy, yeah. and, you know, mom help, you know? So it's like, Ooh, we're not done here. <laughs> like, so something's going to happen. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Like, I think with that in credit scene, you definitely have maybe the thing that most comic book fans were calling for, um, the Mephisto connection, because as we know, when the original uh, appearance of Billy and Tommy, the Mephisto or the the boys were a part of Mephisto, right? Yeah. So, what if like this was the way for Mephisto to find uh, a way into our realm to come up? Like he's like, well, these boys existed in in this Earth realm. I can take on their form and 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 go with them, kind of thing. Like that could be the next thing. That could be the next show that Elizabeth Olsen has to do as Wanda, where they have to deal with that. Or she goes and talks to to Doctor Strange and like, hey, one of these multiverses or one of these you know r- r- uh, dimensions in the multiverse has my boys being attacked by Mephisto. Yeah, no, that definitely could be, you know, the, they're the shards that awaken the beast, you know? So it's like, ooh, that could be something. So we could definitely get them showing up again and the creation of our, uh, the help, the further creation of our young just or young Avengers. Sorry, wrong, wrong company. Uh, <laughs> wrong I did, multiverse. <laughs> I did love the, the boys being in essentially their comic book classic outfits. I mean, not, not directly, but like, the colors and the patterns are there. Um, Billy is wearing the that sh- three-color shirt where it's white, blue, and then red on top. And the red on top would definitely be his red cape that he usually wears. And Tommy has on right. this green and white outfit that is reminiscent of his speed outfit. Yeah, no, I thought that was that was cool that they, you know, they, they had their costumes. Um even though I know they were cartoony, you know, like when Vision wore his luchador outfit and Wanda wore her uh, Sokovian fortune teller, it was still cool to see those, you know, even Fietro's Quicksilver wannabe, like that was fun. Like mm-hmm. that was really cool. Let me, let me ask you about this then. Uh, the uh, If we're talking about outfits, the final form of the Scarlet Witch outfit, like how did you feel about that as a update to what we know as the scarlet witch in the comic books i th- i enjoyed it I, re- I really enjoyed it i even liked when she's walking away from the people of westview and she throws on the 
the hoodie kind of thing. Uh, like I thought that was a nice little update too. Yeah, no, it definitely, it, it's, it's a good looking costume. Um, I almost want to go back cause I know when Tom King's, um, uh, vision series was going out. They also had a, uh, Scarlet witch book. Um, and if I, if I remember correctly, I think even James Robinson wrote that. And, you know, James Robinson is a very, gr- he's a great writer. So I almost feel like maybe I think they took some elements from that costume to put it on live action. So, um, I, I liked it. I thought it was great. You know, it's, it's a, it's a good looking outfit. I'm glad that she's very now superhero esque looking. <laughs> Yes, yeah, she did definitely. I mean, their outfit at the end of Age of Ultron, I felt, was very. I mean, I guess it was a little simplistic with the just the jacket, but it was it, it at least said, "Hey, I'm part of something." Uh, it seemed like that was <laughs> kind of thrown away, so to speak, for when she when we get to Civil War because she's just wearing the "I'm a undercover spy" outfit. Uh, <laughs> but I. I'm trying to think. Did how did she look when they did the airport battle scene? She's wearing the jacket, right? Yeah, I think she was just wearing her, you know, her standard clothes, you know, pattern red and black. That was about it. So yeah, now we definitely have more of a superhero like outfit uh, for her. Um, other characters: Darcy, Jimmy, Hayward. Uh, how do you feel about their tie-ups at the end of this? Um, so Hayward, Hayward was cool. Like it, you know, it it was, you know, he's just a dude. He's just a mean jerk. So that was pretty cool. Um, I felt bad for Darcy because she only got one bit in that episode, you know, just slamming the truck in and being like, haha, you're going to jail. And that was it. Like she wasn't even there for the wrap up. Uh, Jimmy Woo, that was cool. Like, you know, like I loved seeing him bluff, you know, steal the phone, get out of the handcuffs. Like, that was really cool. And something that I've learned recently, because there's been a lot of Jimmy who or sorry, Jimmy Woo uh, stuff going out. He actually predates the Marvel universe. So he was part of the Atlas era of comics. Uh, so that's pretty cool to see him, you know, really getting those moments to shine. Thus um, the agents of Atlas uh, book that he was yeah. in, right? Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, so I felt everybody got a good shake. I did feel bad for, uh, for Darcy because like I said, she just got that moment of slamming, a M rap into, uh, uh-huh. Hayward's truck. And that was about it. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I think it's been said that, uh, Kat Dennings will be returning as, as Darcy more in the MCU going forward. Uh, I don't know if that's official or not, but I, I know I've I've seen that. Um, who do you think is getting the more play going forward? Uh, Jimmy Woo, Hayward, or Darcy? I th- think you probably bank on Jimmy Woo. Um, like he, his character, because the thing is, like Jimmy Woo, there's comics out there. Uh, Darcy's character, truth be told, I don't even know if she's even made it to the comics yet. Mm, uh, because she was, you know, she was just uh, kind of a you know uh, uh, a bit part, and then it just grew and grew and grew. So I don't even know if um, if, like I said, if she's made a comic book appearance. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't recall her character one bit. So I definitely say, you know, like Monica, Monica, they'll they'll probably want to say, hey, you know, this is good setup. We want some positivity. Not, not saying it in a mean way, but like, I know Captain Marvel was met with like, 
you know, people like, oh, I didn't like this or I didn't like that. But the reception to Monica was huge. So I think that's where it's kind of like, okay, let's let's put her in the Captain Marvel movies. Let her shine over there. That way it'll give it like a positive vibe, something people want to gravitate towards. Um, and Jimmy Woo is definitely the character who could probably lead his own show. Like, I mean, you know, depending on which clickbait articles you want to believe, but people were saying like, oh, yeah, you know, let's give Jimmy Woo his own X-Files show and, and let him go to town with it. And it's like, well, his character leads to that. You know, there there is a vibe missing with uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, you know, the, the Woo files, maybe that's where you go. <laughs> uh, I, I was also thinking that what if... Uh, haha what if but what if like darcy ends up being like rosario dawson's character for the netflix marvel uh shows like what if she's just the character that pops up in loki and falcon the winter soldier and moon knight and she hulk and all that you know that wouldn't be too bad i just i don't know if the actress would want that per se mm-hmm. um you know but again you know hey these are all good shows to play in and well, you might not lock down a series contract, but going from series to series in a season still is like getting work. So yeah, no, maybe you're right. Maybe she could play a, a vital part in something like that. Um, but again, it's tough because I don't think she really had any agency that she was tied to. That would be the tough part saying, okay, well, how do we explain her? Maybe she just becomes, you know, hey, I'm an agent of, of S.W.O.R.D. And, you know, I investigate these weird phenomenon in the Marvel Universe, you know, so maybe. Hey, Agent S.W.O.R.D. is going to be needing a new director here because uh, obviously Monica is going to be a superhero and going to hang out with Nick Fury now. So who knows? Maybe it's Darcy. <laughs> Let's uh let's get into that final battle scene with um Agatha. Uh she very much as, as you stated earlier, she Scarlet Witch or Wanda is a very quick study cuz she was in that room <laughs> underneath uh Agatha's house, that basement for very very short amount of time, yet she was able to study remember uh the runes that she was then using she didn't use this to defeat agatha like i think that was uh, to me when the, the, the she's up there fighting her like flinging power at her i very much was confused like why is it that she's missing like that has to be something and even the show points okay. it out to you by having agatha look at her crazy like why are you missing like kind of thing uh and then when later on when it's revealed that she was creating ruins in the hex so that you know only the the witch that created them could could do it uh it could use magic in those ruins was 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 great was a great scene because then she then also learned just by fighting her how to suck the power away from someone else from another witch because she takes all of agatha's power uh then her her essential her for final her final um solution for agatha is to make her stay in westview as agnes for the rest of her life uh now we know agatha has been around for a very long time without her magic is she still immortal is she going to live in westview forever or does she have a normal lifespan now i would say she'll still be immortal it's it's kind of to me i felt Again, you know, this is drawing on something, but I almost go back to when Agatha helped Wanda. Like, she was like, hey, I'm going to strip you of your memories of your 
children. So that way you don't have to live with that and don't have to deal with it. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's kind of like a, a way to a comic book nod where it's like, okay, well then Wanda's going to do that where it's like, Hey, I'm going to strip you of your memories. And you know, that way later on she comes back as a, you know, either this is why she's even more angry or, you know, then she'll just be like, okay, Hey, I get it. You know, whatever the case may be. But yeah, I felt like maybe it's a little bit of a callback to that, um, removal of memory. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, we've gotten through all the different characters. Was there anybody else that you wanted to talk about? No, no. I think that kind of touched on everybody. You know, and they did. They at least did a good job of kind of you know giving everybody a uh, uh, finale or you know like kind of a direction, like okay, where they're at. So I think they did a good job of touching base with everybody, and we got to see where they went at the end of this adventure. Very cool. Okay, uh, if you have any more things that you'd like to talk to us about WandaVision, please uh, reach out to me. I'm on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Uh, Chris, where can people find you online? Uh, definitely check me out on Twitter as well. Uh, my handle is at stuff I should say, should being spelled S-H-U-D. So check me out there. And if uh, you're interested in some of my writings, uh, go to geekelitemedia.com and or advent or AIPT comics.com. And that's where you can see articles that I've uh, written about comic books and fun stuff like that. Uh, the rest of geekly media is at geekly media on Twitter at geekly media on Instagram and facebook.com forward slash geekly media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geekly media.com. Please, uh, please go to our Patreon patreon.com slash geekly media to uh, get exclusive material only our patrons are have access to then uh, whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us rate and review us because it helps spread the word of our network but until next time this is imagine if on the geekly media network saying always remember to geek out geek out this concludes our broadcast 